When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the 1871 podcast with Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach. And before I introduce our special guest, a heads up for you that our guest tomorrow is former Royal Striker Simon Church. So that's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. And tonight's special guest is a legend among Reading legends. He's the club's all-time record appearance maker and he was captain of the record-breaking Royal side in 1985. So a very warm welcome to the one and only Martin Hicks. Thank you for joining us, Martin. How are you? I'm very well, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, buzzing. Buzzing and ready to go. Great stuff. And we're, you know, we're so pleased that, that you're with us and really appreciate you coming on the, on the show. So um, I've mentioned a, a couple of your achievements for, for Reading already, but there were plenty more, of course. So you joined Reading in 1978. You went on to make 603 appearances. You scored 26 goals. Um, and in your first full season, you won the Division Four title in 1979, which was Reading's first league title for more than 50 years. And you were, of course, part of the defence that didn't concede a goal for 1,074 minutes. And you were captain of the record-breaking Royals side that won the Division Three title in 1985-86, that amazing season, amazing start to the season. And you captained the side at Wembley in 1988 as Reading won the Simog Cup. Um, so you joined Reading back in 1978. Um, it probably doesn't feel that long ago, but it was a fair few years ago now. And, and you won the Division Four title in what was your first full season, Martin. Um, and that was Reading's first league title since 1926. What do you remember about that season? It was a long time ago now, but what do you remember about it? Uh, oh, I just, yeah, it's, it's as you say, it's a long time ago. I remember just being, I'd, I'd, I'd achieved what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was, until then, I wasn't a professional footballer, always wanted to play football. And it was, it was just like, am I doing this every day? You know, it was, it was as simple as that, really. I was doing it every day. And as you say, we, we, we won 
the championship and you you other people have said you know you have to pinch yourself sometimes and think have we just done that sort of thing and that was you get used to it after a while and, and you get used to going up and down like we did and and obviously we had lots more achievements um but the first one is very always very special um yeah just just to play at Elm Park just to play in front of the great crowds in those days as well and it was just amazing and we've uh, we've talked quite a lot on this podcast about Elm Park and you know I remember it very well and and for me it was those um those midweek games under under floodlights and it was just a you know just a special atmosphere and you know we talked about the progress which is fantastic but um there was something about the atmosphere and I think especially on those midweek games wasn't there at Elm Park oh 100% I think anywhere I'm I'm sure you people at West Ham would now look back and go to their you know Upton Park and and Arsenal would you know they'd, they'd all do the same you you they are very special days and they're different we all know they're different and but they were special um and like you know we we played I, I remember a game we played Wolves you know to, even to play against Derek Dugan and John Richards in those days was just like they were two absolutely great players and we played them at Elm Park 26 and nearly 27,000 people in there you think you can't get 27,000 people in Elm Park but they were we, we did and they were in there and it, and, it, and it absolutely rocked all night it was amazing um, and that record of um, 1,074 minutes without conceding a goal, um, what, what do you remember about that? But what, what do you think was the secret to the success of the, the defence during that run? And obviously, Steve Death in goal as well. Yeah, we had one of the best. I mean, Deffy and I played against, played with a lot of goalkeepers at Reading, uh, and played a lot against a lot of goalkeepers. But Deffy was for me the, the pick of the crop. Um, Unfortunately, you know, his, his five foot eight frame or five foot nine, maybe. But if he'd have been a six foot or six foot oneer, then he would have played at the top level and played for England. Probably, he was incredible. Um, just naturally gifted goalkeeper. You can't say any more. It was just natural to him. Um, so we had that was a great start to have a goalkeeper who who was that good behind you. Um, but the rest rolls on, really. You know, you, you win a game, you win two games, you win three games. You don't think ever that you're going to keep winning games. You just look at the next one. And, and it is, it's the boring old saying in football, you know, you just take one at a time. But by the time you get to the fourth and the fifth, you probably forgot the first of two anyway. Um, and then all of a sudden, other people. And, and that's what it is. It's always other people like yourself. Uh, and other people remind you of what you're going through. And then suddenly you're getting to nine and ten and... But I always remember, you know, we played, I think it was Millwall away, one of the games quite late on, ninth or tenth game, you'll know better than I, but and we should never have won that game. You know, we were under the cosh, we were defending for our lives. And then I think we had a long throw in, which I always used to go up for, and I used to try and flick it on and whatever. And this long throw in came, I flicked it on, Trevor Cena nicked in as Trev does. 1-0, thank you very much. We walked out of there, 1-0 victory. And you go, hey, the hell did we win that game? Um, so, although there was a lot of great games in that, but it, it is, I say, it's not luck, obviously, because we had a good side, but, you know, you do need a little bit of luck and you, you see that in football anyway. Um, so, it was a great run and, yeah, I do remember it very, very well and, and obviously very proud of it. Um, and in 1983, uh, strange time for the players, I'm sure, the club was was fighting the proposed merger with Oxford United. What what was that like for the players? Uh, again, again, it's it's like I can understand like now, like the Chelsea people are probably going through things like that, and and, and you sort of you you 
distract yourself away from it because it's not something you can change. It's not, it's not your problem in a way, although you are at the club and you don't want it to happen or you do want it, whichever way you want to go for it with it, but you can't actually influence it, you know? So therefore we were just told at the time, get on with the games and, and, this, and, and as we did. And, and I think you look back and think, well, it, it all worked out very, very well. Yeah. And um, you were after your title season winning the title in 1979 um you were relegated four years later but you went straight back up I think the following season didn't didn't you and and then in in 1985 by that time you were captain so you were captain of the side when you went on that amazing record-breaking run at the start of the season and I was there at Newport when uh um you know when you broke the record and uh, I was there for the Wolves game and Reading were top, Wolves were bottom. Steve Bull and Andy Much, I think, were playing up front for Wolves. And it was two all, 13,500. I, I agree with you. I don't know how you ever got 27,000 in there because it was packed at 13,500. I mean, what, what do you think, um, you know, why, why do you think you were so successful, particularly at the start of that season? Was it because a lot of those games in that record-breaking run were by one goal? Uh, you know, one goal wins. Um, was it to do with the character of the players? Was it the way you were organised? Was it kind of a combination of everything, do you think? Yeah, I think it is a combination of everything. And I think throughout your career, and, I, and again, all, all players will say that, uh, I was very, very lucky to be at one club for such a long time. So it's probably easier for me to say there was. there's always periods of the 13 years that were better than other periods, players-wise, um, and, and, and particularly that. So, and even now, you know, we have, we, we've all got an old WhatsApp group like everybody has, um, and we've got old friends, but the friends are, are always from a particular period of time. Um, you know, you, you always have special moments, whether it be at that club, whether it be at other, other people who move three or four or five clubs, they'll always have one club where they've had special moments, a special team, because they just fell into place. We A, we had good players, good character. Um, and it was never never give up, you know. But that's it, that's in players, you know, and I don't I don't really see that in players anymore. Not quite to that level. Um I could tell you lots of stories about things what happened and you just think, no, no, that that that, that didn't happen. But it, it did happen. And it happened because people had passion and commitment and and that was it. It was a hundred percent. There was no ninety-nine percent. It was a hundred percent. And yes, obviously you had bad games, and people say, "Well, you didn't play well, so you didn't care." You you never had. You didn't care. It, you, of course, you had bad games, but it wasn't the fact that you didn't care or didn't want to play well. It was for all the reasons that you didn't have a bad day. But I think of those days, it was a very special time defensively and attackingly you know we always thought we could score a goal and we always thought well nobody was going to score against us so you're going to win your games one nil or one goal difference so yeah very 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 good day, days uh, and John, Johnny um, is going to come on in, in a second but um, you mentioned about sort of character and never giving up and all that sort of thing and, and you kind of typified that I think you broke your jaw not once but twice didn't you and you, and you played I did unfortunately played, yes played, within six months yeah 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 yeah, I had some I had some bad injuries. Um, I was lucky in one way that uh, I I haven't got a 
an athletic body, if you like to call it that. I think people who could run faster had like hamstring problems because they could, they were so quick. I was never quick. So I, I didn't have those sort of problems. And I never, I don't really remember ever really missing a game through a, through a, a pull or a, you know, the hamstring pull or a tear or things, things like that, general things of fitness. I was very lucky like that, but then I was unlucky that the things I had were quite serious and they took time to get over, you know, you broken jaws, broken jaw, had that twice in six months. And then obviously I had me damage to my left ankle, which is hugged me for, for life really. Um, but it didn't stop me. Um, I don't think there was a, <laughs> looking back, I don't think there was a, anything was ever going to stop me, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's just something you have to put up with. Johnny, go on, I'll let you come in now. You've been waiting patiently, as you usually do. Oh, you know me. It's lovely to speak to you. Just the, the whole, you were saying about special times and, and Wembley back in those days was special, wasn't it? That, that whole Simwad Cup run, when did you start believing as a team that we're onto something special here? And then can you just, as a, you know, from a fan and a player, that whole Wembley day, could you kind of give into, I know you've got a short time, but the, how it all panned out, you know, before the game, during, afterwards, just to give us that moment. It's very difficult now when you look back because I get it's it's strange, really. Obviously, we thought eventually we we kept going through the the the, the cup games, knocking one person out, knocking Notts Forest, etc. Then Coventry, <clears throat> but we were also not doing very well in the league, if you remember. And it, yeah, it was a disaster. So I think. I think that sort of, in a funny way, it helped a little bit because if we'd have been at the top of the league, going for promotion and then in the cup, you you would have probably not made the cup games possibly. I think the cup games come as a, a sigh of relief that we haven't got to go and you know we're not under pressure. We've got to try and get a win so we can just go and enjoy what we had, uh, and and obviously we were lucky enough to get there. The the, the day itself and the and the build it was just something that we all dreamed of and never ever have been. In before, I don't think there was a player who had been to Wembley before. I can't remember yeah. all of them, but um, certainly most people hadn't. So that was that was ordinary. It, it's strange to say ordinary, but it was no different except that you were in a different hotel and, and you you know and, the, and obviously then going up Wembley Way and the coach, the the, the people was just incredible. But the, the the thing afterwards, I think, is when when you actually you've won it, and again it takes days and weeks and years to sort of sink in that you've won it. And I get so much pleasure now that I go. I do go back to Reading, not that often, but we do, we all go back occasionally. And the last time I went back a couple of months ago to uh, the Coventry game, I pull up in my car and, and, and I kind enough to get me a car parking spot in the front there. And I pull up and I get out and there's people, you know, old, old well, I'm old, so there's old people who <laughs> come up to you straight away and like, they are so excited to see you and because of what you did at Wembley. So not only have we had a great day, yeah. you've made their day you know what I mean but you don't realize that at the time you just think it's all about you and I'm happy that I was there I'm happy that my family were there and we won it and it was it was fantastic but you don't understand the the the, the proudness of the actual people who live in Reading and probably supported them before and after our time that's so even now like oh that's the best day of my life and do you know what I mean? It's it's amazing, and it just gives you such a thrill, and and then you you just you, you have a you have a good day and watch the game. But you, I don't think people realise what you've done for people on that particular day. They never ever forget it. I'll never forget it, but they don't. Also, you know what I mean? It was incredible. It still brings goosebumps now, even seeing the, the highlights of the games, doesn't it? You just kind of go, and it's just a surreal moment as a fan. Like 
Listen, is that what like the, listening to you talk about it just then, Martin? Yeah. exactly that, Johnny. It is, yeah. isn't it? Because it, it's an iconic moment, probably even more so than the the two thousand and five season, because it was the first time we actually kind of were up there in the public eye, wasn't it? That's but huge. Not, and not only that, you, you know, you, you're talking to me now, which is great. Like, but I'm just ordinary. Like, you know, we were all ordinary with those no yeah. superstars. This is the kid who's come out of a village in Stratford-on-Avon who then ends up in London and then ends up in Reading who plays all those games for something you, you, which I wanted to do anyway. It's not like I was forced to do it. We've all wanted to do that. And you probably wanted to do it, but you unfortunately <laughs> never had. Yeah, exactly. And there's all those spectators who all want to do it, but obviously, unfortunately, weren't good enough to, to do it. So how privileged do, should we feel? You know, but we, but we're still ordinary, aren't we? Oh, I think so. We're just ordinary people. Yeah. We do. We, do, we, we lead ordinary lives. We're, we're not like the stars of, of, of today. They, they are not ordinary, unfortunately. And it's not their fault. They can't live an ordinary life. I mean, I used to go training, get home at one o'clock, take the kids swimming, take the kids over to park with the dog, say hello to a few people. Ordinary things. But these the, yeah. the players of today, they can't be ordinary because... You you imagine one of them walking over the park somewhere with the dog? There'd be five thousand people out. You know, I mean, it'd be on WhatsApp, and, and they can't do yeah. it. We all we all laugh and joke about it, but it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, really, when they can't be ordinary. You know, yeah. they they've really got to spend fifteen years, if they're lucky, of their career not being ordinary, and then hopefully they might be ordinary afterwards. But I date that I date that either. It's and it's quite it's quite sad in a way, isn't it? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, would you like looking back, Mike? Would if you had the choice to play back when you were with all without all that public, or to play now with all the financial rewards? I guess for a better word, what would you? I, I would be. I, yeah, yeah, the question is so difficult. I, I personally, I personally would. It's not the money. I would want to play the game. I would love to play the game today for other things than the money i would love the um technology i would love the gym work because we never had things like that what they do there the dietary the food and the ability uh, and the medical medical background and the ability they can do that you know i've i've been into clubs this this last two years because of covid working for the premier league going into clubs and i've seen some of the kids have bad injuries and that they're back within two days. They've had an operation. They're starting in the gym two days later when we were still saying bed for a week. And you wonder why we'd ever recovered. And you think that that can't be right, you know? These these people have the best of everything. So from that point of view, because I could have seen myself in, in playing today's game, I would have seen myself as still six foot three, but I'd have been a stone heavier of pure muscle. Yeah. So you could imagine what damage I could have done. You know what I mean? Whereas I was okay. I was okay as I was and happy as I was, but, and we could all have been better from just because of the technology um, and, and probably a better player, probably. And when playing back in that time, how was the training and the, 
what was your kind of routine on it? How often would you train and, and do would it be a fight before a game kind of thing? We were trained, we were trained a lot. Um and that was one of the a little story when I when I started to get to sort of 31 ish, um I was still expected uh, and I used to have Ian Bradford was the manager and we used to have conversations with him regularly and just say to him, I'm playing on a Saturday in and within ten minutes I am gone. My legs have gone within 10 minutes. And you could never tell because you just keep going, but you've got to feel right. And I said, I spent 80 minutes then just ex- exhausted, but still doing okay. And I shouldn't feel like that. And he said, no, no, the attitude in those days was the older you get, the harder you work. And in fact, it's it's the opposite. And it, I knew it was the opposite from my body telling me it was the opposite. But players of today... Um, they look after the old players now a lot more. They don't train. Uh, everybody else trains. They'll have an extra day off and etc. Because they are, you've got to look after your body. And, and, yeah. and then obviously for the Tuesday, for the Saturday, for the Thursday now, or any night of the week now, isn't it? Um, so those things were different. But we we had it. We had a different attitude, and you had to. It was it come a bit, it come a little bit later. Then I went. To, I got transferred to Birmingham, um, and I was thirty three then. And Terry Cooper was like. Just, if you don't, if you feel tired, because you don't come in, and I was like, "What? Like, what do you mean? I just, <laughs> you're leaving? You, you're leaving it to me because like, I was, I've been told that, that I need to come in." And he went, "No, no, no, no." He said, "If you get up on a Monday and we've had a hard game," he said, "You get up and you feel a bit, oh, you know." He says, "Just give me a ring and say you'll come in tomorrow," and it was amazing because I felt like a 19 year old for two years at Birmingham. I was, I was just. It was just like starting again. And I was 33, wow. well, 33, 34, 35. And you won um, the season there as well, didn't you? As well as Ray. Yeah. 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 For, first season. And it's, it's purely because basically I didn't train. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just, I just ticked through the motions and then played the games. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So you, you could have stayed longer then. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I, we had, I only, yeah, I, I was offered a con. Uh, Terry Cooper was never, he was never going to continue after the two years I was there, just from personal reasons, I believe. Um, and it, uh, I, I could have I carried on being a pro for a year. I had another year's contract offered and I had another year at Shrewsbury offered. Um, but I decided then that I was um, uh, going to go into coaching and, and, and management, which which different path but uh, yeah I could have yeah I felt I felt good enough and I, I still played non-league football until I was another four years I played until I was 40 so um and comfortably you know no problem at all so uh, yeah but when you can't when you when you when you weren't fit uh, not fit when, when you weren't fast when you weren't I was never fast so you can't lose what you've never had if I never had yeah. it I couldn't lose it um and it's true you know there's nothing there's nothing I used to head the ball and so you you don't lose it do you and Martin, you know, take us back to obviously you talked a little bit about the high of winning the Simon Cup, and it and it was as a as a Reading fan back then. It it was one of the greatest days uh, as a Reading fan. I remember it really well. Just that occasion and the magic of it, if if you like, being at Wembley. And um, you know, I'd still maintain to this day it was one of Michael Jilks's best games ever for Reading, um, in my opinion. But that that same season relegation that must have been a really kind of strange season for the for the players because at that time you had you know you um you used to play alongside Steve Wood uh great combination and then Keith Curl came in 
you know, quickest, one of the quickest players Redden have ever had, let alone, you know, for a defender. Um, and then, and then you went down. I mean, that that must have been a, a strange feeling to go through that. Yeah, absolutely. But and again, I think when we we were relegated more than once and through my career, but it's something that again it doesn't hit you. You you can see it coming, but you don't realise it's. You you keep it. You keep saying it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We've only got to win next week. We've only got to win. The, but then you don't win, and then you don't win the following week, and then all of a sudden it's too late. But halfway through the summer, your summer holiday that's when it hits you because then you start thinking about you've had a couple of weeks off which you're quite glad of and then you start thinking about the new season and then you start thinking about the places you've got to go we're not going to go to where we went last year we're actually going to go to there 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 and there and then reality hits and but of course the reality hits a month later and it's too late and that's (laughs) that's where it is so difficult if you could backtrack to people and say just remember that time in the summer the next time but you, you but obviously you don't um so it happens again and again and again and, and there's no difference of winning things or losing things are very very similar because you don't realize you're going to win something until you've won it um and, and the same as relegation and we had as you said we had plenty of ups and downs yeah and, and you played with uh you know during all your time at reading you played with some fantastic players, players. um i mean we mentioned steve death uh, players like Laurie Sanchez, Kerry Dixon, of course, Neil Webb, Michael Gilks, yeah. played alongside Steve Wood and Keith Curl, Trevor Senior. You know the list yeah. goes on. But but who, who who stands out for you? You know um, among all those players for for whatever reason. I think you've named yeah you've named the pick of the bunch really, and it, you you could pick you could go on. You know you could pick Bev. You know Stuart Bevan, a great player, left footed, right footed. Had everything, Bev. Um, Steve Hetsky again, big centre for uh, centre half. Had it, you know, if you had to build a, if you built a, a centre half on a computer today, you would build Steve Hetsky. Had everything really, um, and probably the same again at front. You know, Kerry Dixon. You, you know, you, you could imagine him now playing at today's games. You know, he'd be a Vardy, wouldn't he? You know, he'd be on the end of everything. Couldn't couldn't stop him. So. Yeah, some great players, Sancho as well, and and all those, all the ones you've named. You know, that we're still in that that bubble of that group, that very very special group where we were privileged to play with each other um, for for quite many many years. Actually, it was about a five year period where we were absolutely unbelievable. Um, not necessarily winning everything because we lost things, but just as a group. And you, you, we all look back and think that, that it was a very very special time in your life, which will never ever be forgot. But yeah. You've named some great players there. And uh, for me to pick one would be dangerous, I think, because I have the rest of them on my WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, and what about managers? I mean, you had Ian Bramford as your manager for a, a lot of your time at, at Reading, but which manager do you think helped you most as a player during your time at Reading? Uh, yeah, I look back and Morris was a footballing man. <clears throat> um through and through, there's no doubt about that. It was it was different, obviously, because it was earlier on. Management was so so different. Coaching was so so different. I, I don't think looking back now, if we were technically, you wouldn't say that we were coached really. You know, like not like they are today. Um, yeah, we did a lot of pattern of play sort of stuff, and we all worked as the team. And, and I think that was then we move on to Branny, and Branny's idea was the team. It wasn't about the player; it was about the team. 
Um, which is, uh, you won't win anything as the best player. You can have the best player in the world, but you're not going to win anything because you need 10 others. So you do need a team. Um, but Branny bought different ideas, um, some good, some not so good. Um, but yeah, I think, again, you, I think different times are different players, different managers at different times. They all brought something to the table. Um, Morris was just a straightforward, honest as the day is long. You, you could say what you like to him. And he he to you and and it was it was as good as that. But then obviously we a little bit of a special relationship with Brandy because I was captain under him more more years than than ever. And we had a relationship there. I could go and see him about things happening in the club and vice versa and, and new signings or whatever. He he got me involved in everything. So I learned a lot from Brandy. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and and in terms of your highlights at, at Reading, obviously you're a captain. You, you still got the record for most appearances, and that might not ever be beaten, of course. Um, but what what do you think you're most proud of about your time at Reading? I think Wembley will, Wembley will always be the number one. Um, I also think I, I mean I also think really just simple things like playing so many games after I had the bad injury on my left ankle at 19. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you hear stories, a lot of people at the club behind me back, rumours said he won't play again. And, and when you actually look back at the surgery I had and the, um, I had 15% disablement, disabled in that in my left ankle for life. So I had to, I had to, I had to play a different game. I had to, I couldn't, I couldn't do what I did before. And it took me, I, I remember coming back and playing after what, a year and a half. And I just thought, I'm not going to be able to do this. And I, it took me ten, at least ten games. I mean, you you wouldn't you wouldn't dream of that today. You imagine, I don't know, some England centre half coming back and playing poorly for ten games. They'd never give them ten games, would they? They, they would just go, "Well, you're not, you're not, yeah. you know." But Morris gave me time uh, to to to, play, to build up and get better and better. But I was a different player, a different way, and I had to sort of I had to adapt and play. I wouldn't say I wouldn't exaggerate to say a player on one leg, but do, do you know what I mean? I had to yeah. I had to drag I had to drag that leg around a little bit. Um, so, from a personal point of view, <clears throat> I was quite proud of the fact that you know, for five for five years after that time, I used to train and it used to swell and be awkward and stiff the next day for five years, not five wow. weeks or five months. It was for years. Um, it was a difficult time, but nobody knew about that. Only, only I knew about that. Um, so I was quite pleased that I carried on a career which I thought did okay after that. And so, really, there's lots of people. And then to go to Wembley, obviously. And then go to Birmingham when, when again people thought maybe at 33 I'd, he's, he's he's gone his legs are gone, but at 33 I went to two more years at Birmingham and I think proved quite a few people wrong uh, and proved myself right. I knew I knew that, that I could carry on. So yeah, lots of lots of things, um, but also the friends. I mean, even today we've got great great friends we go and see, and you'll never change that. Um, and the older we get, we we lose one or two every now and again as we all know, but yeah, uh, wonderful times. And, and just uh, and one more from me and then Johnny, I'll, I'll let you jump in again. Um, Martin, why why did you stay at Reading for as long as you did? I mean, did you have any opportunities that, that came up for you, for you to leave during that time? Um, again, it was slightly different. <clears throat> you didn't really have the, we didn't have the social media and all the, the rumours everywhere. It was it was more of a little bit of hearsay. Or by the time it got into the papers, it was probably too late. So yeah, there was there was times, but <clears throat> they were quite clever. They they looked after me when I was pleased with that. They renewed my contract um, slightly earlier than maybe they could have done. Um, but 
looking back, were they the clever ones? I don't know. I mean, they might have been clever thinking they didn't want to get rid of me. I don't know the answer to that one, but I was quite happy there. We settled in, had the children and got married and all that day in, in Reading and Berkshire. And again, just wonderful times. And when you're, when you're happy at a club, then why would you want to go anywhere else? I don't know. I could have, I don't know. I could have gone somewhere and maybe earned more money, maybe not, maybe earn less money. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. But um, I, know, I don't look back now with regret, and I think that's that's a wonderful thing. That if you do, if I did do that, then it's a sad, isn't it? And, and I think then, you know, I, I'd be very happy in, in my career. And I mean, look now, we're on this, and we're talking about broken records and playing that nobody will ever nobody will ever play 600 and some odd games really it's not going to happen it's just the way modern football it's in there for history and it's stone it's it's solid and you're talking to a lad to say from the village who thought he might play a few games and then go home it was just amazing amazing Johnny do you want to come back in yeah I'm right. I mean, it is like you're saying 600 games is, is unbelievable um, you know, to, and, and to be as a central defender as well like you must have come across so many players that you played against. Who was the, the toughest um, striker that you would have? I mean, probably had a few, but <laughs> yeah, there's lots again. Um, lots again. I mean, you look at your Billy Whitehurst, who came to the club, but I'd already played against him uh, uh, away from home, if you like. And then he came to the club. You got, um, you know, I was very lucky. I played against Steve Ball. I played against um, uh, David Dugan, John Richards. You know, quality, quality in their time. Uh, Mickey Hartford was as hard as nails. Mickey Hartford at Luton, who, again, I'll tell you a quick story there that we, I was at Birmingham, then we played Luton in a cup game. It was a two legged cup game. And he was, he, we played at Luton and we beat him 1 0. And I had a particularly, as they said, a particularly good game. And he didn't play because he was suspended, but he would be okay for the second game uh, uh, back at St Andrews. Um, and Terry Cooper was pulling his leg in the boardroom afterwards. And Coops was telling me on the Monday morning, and he said, Oh, I had a chat to. Uh, thinking about the end of the night, and uh, he said, uh, he said, sort of, Talix, he had a good game. He said, but I'll tell him I'll break his bloody nose when I see him next at the next game. And he actually did. <laughs> Two weeks later, we played the replay, and he poof, smashed me and broke my nose, believe it or not. So it just shows you they were hard, hard people, Mickey Hartford. Um, but then I was lucky, you know, at, at 35, when I thought I was still fit, but I was coming to an end. I don't think a lot, I'm not sure whether a lot of people knew, but I, I was selected to play for England over 35s, which was yeah. a great, great honour. Yeah. And something I, I just thought, again, this is this is not me. This is a kid at the village. This is <laughs> this is not happening. I can't be in the. I was in the company of Mick Mills, Frank Worthington. You know, it was just unbelievable. We we played. I played against Paolo Rossi, who scored right. five goals in the World Cup. Played against him. We played. We played Italy, Holland, and Brazil. And I've still got the team sheets and just some of them names on there. You think, oh, dear me, is that is that real? Um, yeah. So although we were all over 35 and a little bit slower than we, we should have been, it's still a name to to, to remember. Paolo Rossi, you know, you think, God, say, yeah. incredible. So, yeah, very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. Well, Martin, Same it's memories. been absolutely fantastic to, to speak to you. So, you know, really appreciate you coming on and, hearing about your career and your time at, at Reading and just great for us to have, uh, as, as I refer to you, a legend among legends, really. I think uh, we, we would all agree that six, more than 600 games. And um, I actually pointed out when we were doing these, uh, you know, this countdown to finding the greatest Reading eleven, you scored more goals than uh, some of the 
some of the strikers have at Reading, although it was over a longer period of time. Longer period. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, thank, thanks ever so much. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Very kind of you. Thank you so and much, Martin. Lovely to meet you. And you. Thank you again. See you all again. Thank you, Martin. So that's all we've got time for now. But a reminder that tomorrow our special guest is former Royal striker Simon Church. So um, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening and uh, join us on the next episode. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.